Hello, 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 and thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I am your host, Karee Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we in the house for episode 84. Yeah. Hope you all been having a good weekend. You know what I mean? Starting to kick off the week. Yeah, the, the, the TV viewing has been has been decent. I got to wrap up uh, Lovecraft Country, and uh, I got into something new, Raised by Wolves. Nice. Uh, you been watching anything? Yeah, um, not too much. I caught these uh, two Korean horror movies that were pretty dope. Um, okay. this, the first one is um, The Haunting, Gunjiam, Haunted Asylum. And the second one is 0. 0.0 uh, megahertz. Okay. Yo, horror is the genre, yo. Everything's coming out horror these days, yo. Yeah. Like, they're like really it. stretching the, sto- uh, the breadth and width of stories that you'll catch in that genre. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lovecraft Country, for something that's supposed to be like firmly rooted in the horror series and, and a lot of Jordan Peele's works are like this it has a ton of sci-fi you know what I mean it's it's well-rounded yeah. you know what I mean it's not just gore horror which is very popular or which was very popular throughout the early 2000s but yeah man and I like horror uh, foreign horror movies yeah um, to your point about uh, uh uh, the different story matters. What was really interesting is like both of them have the exact same premise, but they go in two completely directions. Basically, oh, okay. it's um, a group of young twenty-something-year-old college students belonging to a um, belonging to uh, uh, like an online blog, okay. right? Um, they both go and investigate a paranormal location for two completely different reasons. In the case of Gunjiam Haunted Asylum. They, they're, um, it's called the horror times and previously some, I don't remember what it was, but somebody live streamed something and they got like 200,000 hits and they got like a hundred K in ad revenue. So this guy's like, yo, we're horror times. We're going to go to Gunjiam. We're going to do a walk through the place and we're going to get a million hits. Like that's his motivation. Okay. And it, it was a horrible idea. It's a horrible idea. Should have never done it. It was Anything never worth the hits. doing it for the likes. I know it's going to end in tragedy. <laughs> But it was actually pretty dope. They had a pretty nice, um, uh, uh, different, like, personality-wise. Uh, you had the one leader dude that was very two-faced. And, and in the beginning, he seemed like the cool, calm leader. Oh, yeah, you know, we got to uh, make get him right. And then halfway leader, through, when shit, gets, when shit hits the fan, everybody's like, yo, maybe we should pull out. Shit's starting to get real here. Mind you. This nigga sitting back at the tent in base camp. Oh, oh this nigga's remotely right. monitoring. And, and you yeah, like, keep he's going. the one. Keep exactly. <laughs> he's the one who's uploading everything and editing everything together. Ah, so he's like in remote safety while everybody else is walking around the haunted asylum getting fucked with. And he's like, no, you got to do it. We're almost in a million views. It's going to be for nothing if you guys turn around now. And it's, yeah. It, uh, the, Gunjiama is actually pretty dope. Um spoiler alert they all die um <laughs> but it, it was still pretty cool I, I i liked there was i don't feel like there was in too much really like a deeper story like usually how like a lot of um mm-hmm. uh, horror movies have allegories to something mm-hmm. i i don't i i didn't catch it if there was but i did enjoy like the slow descent into madness for for um gunjiam it was really cool the scares were dope I, what I really liked about them, they had uh, jump scares, but they didn't do it in the way like um, you see a lot of modern, modern horror movies abuse jump scares where they'll get everything really, really quiet and they'll slow down everything and then bam, they'll jump out of nowhere. This one, it's way more organic. Like they'll be having a conversation and the group will be interacting and then bam, then you'll be a jump scare out of nowhere. And it's like it's like very organic and relevant to the plot, but they don't like prep you for it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it feels a lot better. 0.0 megahertz on the other hand that one actually 
even though I would rate that lower, I don't. I didn't like it as much as Gunjiang, but I th I thought this story was a bit more interesting. Um, this one's 0, 0.0 megahertz. Um, according to them, that's when the frequency at which your brain sees ghosts or some shit like that. Oh, so okay. th exactly. So I, I, I don't know, but there was a haunted. Um, there's a haunted house out in the boonies of South Korea. And they had a medium go out to the house. This is how the movie opens. They have the medium go to the house, and she's doing her cool little dance and everything, and she tries to exercise the spirit. Spirit ain't having none of that. Nah. None of it. She goes in the house, the spirit locks her in, snaps her neck, and like pretty much leaves her there as an example for everybody in the village. Damn, the Grim Ward? Pretty much. And um, so that village falls into ruin, and that becomes a popular thing now. And so now that the group of kids is going to zero and zero megahertz is going down there, and they're going to do a brain scan in that house. Like so, that's their thing. Mm -hmm. um, what's really cool that I liked about this one is one of the guys that was there when the mediums try to exercise the spirit. The, the story takes place like maybe a few years after that. He's now running like a store that's like nearby the village. And so they come by and they're like, yeah, let's go. We're going to the haunted house. Get some beers. And you know what I'm saying? They're in the, they're in the um, convenience store. And then he's like, yo, that, that's, not, that's, that's not a fucking tourist attraction. People died there. You should treat it with more respect. Like that, that's, and then he's just like grilling them the whole time. And they're like, yo, let's get the fuck out of this. It's weird. So they go there. They perform the brain scan. And yeah, like, yeah. Um, What's actually interesting about this one is the group actually makes it away from the um from the haunted location, but the spirit ends up like haunting them. It's one of those curses where the curse follows you. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, the chick actually warned them, right? Because <laughs> at the end they did the stupid ass ritual where they're like, "Oh, we're gonna summon a spirit," and so, wow. and they have like uh they had like a at voodoo the end, doll. They tried to like in the beginning. No, in the beginning. Okay. In the beginning, they they did like to start off the whole thing. Um, they had like a voodoo doll and everything, and they turned it out. You know, there was a spirit there for real. So uh, they panicked and they're like, "All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's leave." And then one of the girls is like, "Yo, did you burn the doll?" And the dude's just like, "Uh, doll?" And she's like, "No, you got to make sure you go back and burn the doll." So I was like, "All right, fine." So he goes back, pushes out, doesn't burn the doll, throws it in like a fucking lake or something, and goes back. And that's why the curse follows them because it's anchored to reality now. So what I like about that movie is at the end there was well this is another huge spoiler alert if you decide to watch it so I'll give it a little bit of um a little bit of a, a pause in there but what I liked about the ending is after they go back to the house and resolve the conflict they it makes you feel like they escaped right and so the main character is like this really goofy kid who's like not go I want to goofy say goofy he's a quiet like introverted introverted kid who's like writing a horror novel mm, he's quirky and, yes and so he's and he doesn't have a lot of confidence and the whole time he's trying mm. to hit on this one girl in 0, 0.0 megahertz and she's kind of giving him the cold shoulder and shit and at the end of the movie I mean, throughout the movie they end up bonding and at the end of the movie after they escaped he's like he finally finishes his novel and she's like oh dope let me go and check it and she goes after he leaves to go to the bathroom or some shit like that she goes on his computer and she's looking for the file and she opens a file that's a video from the thing and she sees her boyfriend the same dude that she was just with he's in the um basement of the because the, that spirit likes to pull you into crawl spaces so Ooh. in the video she's like she's been dating this dude for how however long but it's actually the ghost and the real him is still in the thing and that's wow. how the movie ends and i was like that's fucking dope but Damn. 
Yeah. That's the worst. I like, was oh, like, it's not over. Yeah, because you know what I mean? Because they like flash forward and everything. <laughs> Novel's done. We're dating. Ha ha ha. Cool, cool, cool. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go take a leak real quick. She's like, yeah, let me check out that novel. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. It was really good. So 0.0 megahertz. I'd give that like a, a seven. But okay. Gunjiyama is... is I, I, as far as scares go, I think Gunjiyama is a better movie. That movie is fucking... Especially how the movie ends, it's actually pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. It's pretty all scary right. movie. Gotta check those out. So yeah, I, I checked out um, Raised by Wolves, which is an HBO Max uh, series. Nice. And uh, man... <laughs> So it, it was described what I, I actually found somebody who I on YouTube I like to watch their their reviews of things and uh, this just popped up and I was like oh okay and and he very highly recommended it so I said all right fucking let me just jump into it and man it's an interesting story so so the pre- the premise is um, that it's like an alternate Earth history where um, Instead of Christianity being the prominent religion in the world, it's a very, very militaristic, violent religion that takes over the majority. And so uh, they pretty much end up going to war war with all atheists. So (laughs) atheists uh, band together and they they use uh, a lot of like you know, very drastic technology because they don't have the same moorings as the, the religious uh, sect does. The, the religious sect is outnumbers them, but the atheists use some really, Advanced really dramatic uh, asymmetric warfare. And so, it, you know, the and this is all revealed in the first episode, so it's, this isn't even spoiler alert. I haven't seen the ending of the show yet. Um, I try to pace myself so I can get, a you know, some enjoyment out of it. But so they, uh, the war progresses ends up getting to the uh, uh, the break point where they're going to destroy Earth. And so people are starting to flee Earth. And so, you know, there's two factions of people. There's the uh, the the people, the religious sect, and I can't remember how to pronounce the name, but um, um, there's the main religious sect that's sending people off, but they don't have great technology. And also they have certain things like they don't believe in letting androids raise children. So when the atheists start to try to flee the planet, they shoot androids into space with embryos. And so those ships can leave very quickly and get very far. And so they manage to proliferate out into the into space uh, faster than than the religious sect. And so the the show starts out with two androids uh, from the atheist uh, um, uh, sect landing on a, a, a planet Kepler B22B uh, and they they're trying to raise these these embryos to start a new um, human colony and so you know it, it's it, it's got horror elements in it so there's like some weird stuff happening while they're there and so it, it's the progress of that and then throughout and this is all in the first episode mind you I, I'm just describing you find out that they used one hospitality android that was designed for caring for and taking care of humans. But the other android mother that they sent is actually a reprogrammed, <laughs> weaponized, uh, like, war droid that, like, <laughs> has these... I like that better. That has, like, I, like, clearly I see the, 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 um, the thinking behind it in that, okay, you have one as the caretaker and one as the protector. Yeah. Because the, the caretaker droid, he's strong... You know what I mean? And he's fearless and, and things of that nature, but he's not combat ready. Like, 
nah, I don't even want to give that nigga the gun most of the time. It's like, uh, <laughs> you're not even gonna use it, Can right? You talk it out. With no, them? but that's what exactly what you would do, though. You'd Let's have the see gun if the lion wants to discuss things. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's the whole. So they they start out with six embryos, um, and they they raise them, and as they get into like um, like five, six years old, some of them a little bit older, they start to die, and so they think that. So they're not sure if there's something in the uh like is is there something alive out there that that's attacking the kids or is mother killing them you know like and not realizing it because when she uses her weaponized form she you know she be marking shit you know what I mean it's kind of indiscriminate at times and yo man she's old like when the atheist when I talk about the atheist you utilizing very drastic asymmetric warfare. When she's in her weaponized forms, humans cannot hear or look at her, or else you will die. You explode it's the most straight up, or you'll melt. Like and that's what I'm saying. Like, oh my gosh! Like, what kind of weapon is that? Like, I love that. This it's the, allegorical like, to God, bro. Take that, religious people. It, it's it, it is very allegorical to the, what they must think of as like a divine being because like when she goes ape shit, she just like everything is just dying and exploding. It's just, She's very, very uh, much more powerful than everything else around her. So th- there's that whole thing that that everyone is scared of her. And even <laughs> at one point, father, because they, they refer to the two androids as mother and father throughout the, the series. And even fathers at one point is like, oh, man, I better make sure I'm useful, man, because I don't know if she's going to keep me around. She just like she flips into that. She flips that switch and, and it's a wrap because when whenever the kids are in danger or whenever her mission is endangered she becomes very very homicidal like extremely homicidal um to the point where in episode two uh one of the uh religious sects ships make it to the planet that they're at and so they they land there and they in they interact with their little colony and it's it's kind of standoffish but they they you know it's going peacefully at this point and uh so the uh the religious sect has this prophecy about an orphan boy that will be found and there's a bunch of things and unfortunately the last surviving child in this colony resembles the kid in their prophecy so they they resign that they're going to take the kid (laughs) needless to say mother's not having that (laughs) mother decimates the ground team takes the lander back up to the Ark, kills as many people as she can in the Ark, and then flies the Ark into a crash collision with the <laughs> with the planet and destroys that shit. I'm with it. She hey, sometimes like, you got to send the message, massively bro. Massively homicidal. Sometimes you got to send the message. Oh, yeah, no. The message was sent. So, but I like this show because there's a ton, like, there's a lot going on. And, I'm, and I, I got to do a little bit more research into, into who's producing this because... There's, there's so many underlying threads. And so one of the, the people in the landing crew who survived the initial contact with, with Mother and the colony um, ends up, like, they, they go into his backstory. And so he's a general in this, this religious military. But when they flash back to right before he got on the Ark to leave the planet, it shows that there were actually two atheist soldiers who were trying to defect and get off the planet. And they they found a um a droid that had their bio uh, the general's biometric uh, data, so they got 
surgery to to replace them and then they've used his information to find him and kill him and take his place <laughs> so actually the general is an atheist who's pretending to be religious that's right really and funny. so there's this there's a whole storyline developing there with him and his wife now when they killed the general they didn't realize he had a kid and so in the time in which they were leaving the planet they bonded with this child and so in taking over their the uh this this life you know they've adopted this kid who thinks that they're his parents and when mother leaves the ark she snatches a bunch of kids to repopulate their that she wants to try to convert over to atheist one of those kids is his son so now him and his wife are urging the the religious um uh travelers to to go look for the kids but the head of the religious sect is <laughs> gosh man like it's so funny because like even in the future the heads of the religions are just dicks yeah they're just, they they're feckless they're self-serving they are the worst type of people they always bend the prophecy or whatever religious teachings mm -hmm. they're they're trying to spew to to benefit themselves and it, it's crazy but um so they've been on this planet for a long time and now in the midst of all this turmoil there's They've, they've encountered creatures on this planet, which in the however 12 plus over a decade they've been on this planet, they haven't encountered any living things other than the things they've been cultivating. And so now they're they're contending. So there's a living organisms on this planet that they are trying to figure out about. And on top of that, they found the structure. The religious sect found the structure, which is why they're choosing to stay on this planet. They're like, oh, look, boom. This structure was clearly a sign of God. We landed on this random, desolate-ass planet, and the structure is here where we landed because this is what God wants us to be. So there's that whole angle now. So they're going to start coming, and I'm pretty sure that Mother will kill everything that touches foot on that planet in the hopes. Because one of her directives is to make sure that the children do not grow up in a religion. Like, Damn. that's one of her main things. Like, she gets mad at them whenever they get... Now, Father, on the other hand, has no such directive. He His only directive is to raise and and and, and cultivate these children and help them grow. Um, but Mother is, like, hard indoctrinated with the new religion. <laughs> thing. Like, the, and, and so she takes the kids from the Ark, and she's trying to, like, unindoctrinate them. And these kids all have their own issues. They all have their own uh, major problems. Like one of them was raped by. Um, so when they were in flight, the their bodies were in hibernation, and one of the girls were was raped by a technician while her body was sleeping. And That's so when she up. woke up, she woke up pregnant. And so now mother is like trying to help her have the baby and stuff. But she's got major. Men she's got problems now. Like you don't just wake up pregnant after sleeping <laughs> for ten years and then everything is straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, there's so many really cool, interesting storylines. The interactions, it's pretty well acted. Mother's character is terrifying. Um, she's everything that I fear about white women. Um, <laughs> like, it's, it's, the, the show itself is, is, is pretty well done. Ridley Scott is crazy, though, from what I understand. Like, it, it definitely has, you could tell his fingerprints on certain scenes and in, in some of the character design. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I'm. Very interested to see where this goes. So I'm definitely gonna uh continue down that that rabbit hole with that. Nice, um, nice. But yeah, man, there there's there's so much. There and, and it's very allegorical and super heavy. Like you could tell that there's a lot of underlying themes that are being developed 
that that are you know themes about religion and uh humanity and guardianship thing all of these themes are 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 touched on you know with a very entertaining horror show so yeah i want to i want to keep going with that nice uh lovecraft country wrapped up and boy man Jordan Peele is making a statement. Oh my goodness! If more so than than this entire show, uh, in this final episode, did Jordan Peele make a statement? And and before I get too deep in it, I really do feel like he's using this show more than his others as saying, "Oh no, um, whatever you thought was entertaining before in these genres, black people here to show you what's real, what it is." You, you, sorry, guys, but you're gonna have to pass the torch on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and and in the way that the final scenes played out, I really felt like that was the message that he was sending out. Like, just you, just wait. Like, I'm just, I'm just opening. The, I'm putting my foot in the door. You wait to see who comes through this door. You see what kind of great art comes out of these these black women and and young black men that are gonna revolutionize this genre after me that's what i really felt uh on on the the way that the uh the final scenes played out because i don't know um and i want to jump around in the episode because i i don't want to give away too much but um there's definitely gonna be spoilers so if you're if you're watching along and you haven't seen the finale yet just skip forward but um there's at, at, so, so this episode culminates with uh the storyline of Christina Braithwaite um utilizing the uh magic of the first uh, the sons of excuse me the sons of Adam to try to achieve immortality um part of this spell is uh requires her to drain tick of his blood and so that's been the 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 underlying tension is that everyone knows like she's Christina Braithwaite has been helping them technically in their in their goals but everyone knows that her final goal involves killing tick and so everyone knows that all of these machinations are just part of that overarching plan and so in this episode we finally get to that uh to that crescendo where Christina Braithwaite uh performs her performs her um her ritual uh, of immortality and that's really where i think the the uh the meat of the episode was there was a lot leading up to that um dealing with uh d and uh the aftermath of them getting the book of names and uh attempting to um to to cure d uh which at the end they managed to save her life and stop her transformation but her arm is still withered and yo (laughs) big time spoiler alert but yo they gave my girl a robotic arm son that shit was gangster. It was worth it, <laughs> bro. That shit was crazy, dude. And it was it was, in the end of 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 the episode. It's it's D with a shogoth that has taken a black shogoth that is that uh, she can clearly like communicate with that's following her and protecting her and in her mechanical arm. And she comes upon the um the body of Christina Braithwaite as she's uh pinned under some stuff and she's. It's weird because Christina beckons to her to save her, but D is like, "Oh, you still haven't learned." And she takes her robot arm and crushes her throat. And I'm talking about this is a <laughs> little girl. And I'm just like, "Damn!" Uh, right. That's what I. But that's what I mean. Like, in, in the lead up to that, uh, when they finally interrupt the the spell to to try to stop um, Christina, um, 
Letty tries casting a spell, and a big part of a spell is the incantation isn't what holds the power. The real power for them uh, in the in this mythology is the intention behind the incantation. So the incantation just calls forth. Uh, the attention of of ancestors and spitters to lend you power. The intention behind, and so Letty casts a very powerful spell with the Book of Names to cut all white people off from magic again. But she didn't stop magic from existing in the world. Only black people can access it. And so she's like, "Yeah, no, it's over for you guys. It's ours <laughs> now." And I'm just like, "Hmm, is that the allegory of like the magic of of making uh, of making cinema? You know what I mean? Is is the movie magic being passed on to a new generation of of, of people? Like I, that's why I felt like that's where uh, the 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 allegory between the passing on of of the old genre of horror to the new type of Afro-futurist uh, sci-fi horror that, that Jordan Peele has been doing. I, I felt like that was very allegorical in that moment. And then when Dee comes around finally and just like she literally kills the, the last white person with magic and says, no, you just you still don't get it. Like, no, we're taking this. We don't need any help. We're not helping you. We're doing this for ourselves type of thing, which I thought was very powerful. Whether, you know, she meant it just directly as in the the world that they were in or as part of that allegory. I thought that was a really powerful scene. But, yeah, there's there's so much going on. Um, Montrose, uh, Montrose comes full circle and is really, like, he understands that he has to, to embrace Tick's desire to, to see this through for their relationship to, to, to be able. And, man, oh, boy, was that a tough scene because, you know, Tick does die in the end, spoiler alert. But um, at the end, Montrose is, sees Tick's dead body. And, the, of course, uh, Michael K. Williams kills the, the performance and he's like, come on, boy, go, let's go, let's go. And he's and he's trying, in his mind, he doesn't want to believe he's dead. And he's grabbing his body and trying to get him. And Tick is a big dude, so he's struggling with his body. And everyone around him is like, nah, this it, is done. It, it, he's dead. And boy, whoo, that was tough. Like, just watching a, a father pine over his son like that, especially watching how dynamic their relationship has been over the course of this show, right, that was right. super powerful. Um just seeing Dee come into her own, um, Hippolyta trying to grow with her daughter again, because Dee has some serious abandonment issues, because when her mom was gone, she went through some shit. You know what I mean? Like, she went through some major shit. And it's... I, I think at this point, Dee is starting to understand how far her... You know, the breadth and width of what her mom went through as well. But she still feels very hurt by having not had her at those important times uh, in her life. But I, I, I'm very hopeful, and man, am I excited. I really hope that these are some of the things that they pick up on in season two. Because, I, I mean, you know what uh, You know what I felt like? I, she had, Dee had some very strong Michonne vibes at the end of it. You know what I mean? Just like, you know what? I'm going to strike it out. I got me and my, and my monster with me, and we're going to make this shit work. You know what I mean? It's going to be an ugly world out there, but I can handle it. Take it one day at a time. Yeah, man. Yo, Make she, it work. Just the strength and determination, and and not even just that. Like you saw, I I really appreciated how you saw that grow in the character because especially with that episode where um her friend died and she was she was cursed by those those two officers, she went through a lot and you saw her go from running scared to 
realizing that she's the only one who's there who's going to fight on her on her behalf and so she knuckled up and she she was ready to take on those 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 demons as best as she could you know what i mean it, it, it was her fight kicked in really strong and, and it, it was really good to see uh in a in a young young female character I, it's not something that you see portrayed often and well and so i really appreciated seeing that uh on the show but yeah man <clears throat> season two of lovecraft country's got it's got had big shoes to fill i they it was i did find the inclusion of the christian imagery really odd um towards the the middle of the episode uh Christina Braithwaite, after they retrieved the the book of names and, and cure uh, D, Christina Braithwaite comes to try to get the book of names from them, and then promises that she won't kill Tick or anyone if she, if they can if she can get it from them, and they 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 refuse her, and so <laughs> she revokes her invulnerability from from Letty, which Letty has been using to great effect this uh, the past couple episodes, but um, so now letty feels vulnerable and it's a very common trope in the african-american community for sure to retreat to religion when you feel like you're 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 exposed in the world and it just felt i don't i didn't, I didn't understand what it meant i just didn't understand what it, how it fit into the story um whether it was just something that they that they did for their own peace of mind whether they were saying that you know religion our, our faith is black people magic our faith in each other and 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 our ability to 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 take on things into the future i'm not sure if that was the allegory they were putting forth i, just, I was just very confused um but you know i didn't understand christian symbology when i was practicing christianity you know so i don't know it just it just it didn't it didn't really like it, it didn't add anything to the episode. It just added more questions that I feel like weren't they didn't they weren't going to answer, <laughs> unless you know of course that becomes a major thing is how maybe they return magic to the black community through the church. Mm, that'd be interesting, <laughs> but yeah they they got a, they have nothing but open air. You know what I mean? They can go any place that they want because nobody knew where this was going when it started, and I sure as hell didn't see where it was gonna end. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I not that this was a completely like unforeseen ending. I just even halfway through, like when they started doing the interdimensional travel thing, I was like, oh okay, shit. They they really <laughs> they stepped it up on a nigga because I did not see that coming. So yeah, I, I I I appreciated that they kind of centered it. They brought it back to Earth a little bit after going but they, they they took a long epic journey you know what i mean i i i i appreciated the the vastness of their journey how far and, and wide it took them for sure yeah i love a good odyssey man yeah man so yeah uh oh man moving on from that i caught snl i i appreciate snl uh occasionally but i really do like it now because recently they've been showing a lot of people who i personally enjoy like bill burr and this week was Issa Rae. And uh, man, Issa Rae, I love her awkward comedy, man. Because a lot of times I don't even know. Like, I'm like, ah, I don't even think that was funny. But when she hits, <laughs> boy, that awkward comedy is it's golden. But, you know, I, I bring that up because there was a, a sketch where the premise of the sketch was um, black people will support black people no matter 
what. And so they were doing, uh, they were talking about political uh, candidates and stuff. And they were talking about the black candidates. And Issa Rae's character was like, I, I support him. I support him. And he was like, I'm a tax evader. Like, oh, but, but see, that means he's smart and he knows the system. And she just kept coming up. And that was the whole, that was pretty much the, the, the gist of the sketch. And at the end, they go, oh, yeah. And Kanye West is on the bounce. She goes, oh, man, F Kanye. Okay. Now, I thought it was funny. But that I thought, and, and 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 I thought that that was part of the joke. You know what I mean? Like it fit the joke. I don't think that she was she herself. And I'm and and I'm not sure. Do 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 the guests have a a hand? Because she is a comedian, and she does sketch comedy. So um, I can imagine. I actually listened she could have to uh, Bill Burr had did a like a, like a twenty minute thing where he talked about his experience on there, and according to him, and from what I've seen a lot. The writers on SNL write stuff for you. Generally okay. speaking, uh, as the guest, you don't really you don't write, write stuff because I just, I most sure. of them aren't comedians. Got most it. of the people and, who and, host and SNL that's the only reason comedians. why I was I wasn't sure is because when they have comedians on there, I'm like, well, I guess you could have input. Yeah, you know what they I mean? do. They definitely have input for show. Like they get to choose what works for them and what doesn't. Yeah, okay, so and 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 that being said, I believe that Issa Rae is an intelligent, mindful person, and. So after the the uh, the the episode happens, on like Kanye starts tweeting out like, "Oh, SNL is using black people against black people and this and that." And while typically uh, I take what Kanye West says with a grain of salt, he, him being crazy doesn't remove the fact that there are institutions that do that. And so I I just wanted to engage the idea to see like. Is there anything there, or is Kanye just being Kanye? Oh, yeah, no, nah, you, you get suckered by Kanye, bro. Somebody mentioned his mm-hmm. name. Look, the way this shit works is when someone mentions your name, you have an opportunity, you have a certain amount of hours while your name is still trending. If you don't hop on that opportunity no, no, and say and something get that, to get on that. That's not what I'm addressing. I get that part. <clears throat> but he could be utilizing that, and at the same time, this could be a. Uh, Cloud chasing. That's. Personally, I think it's. So are you saying that I don't think he means don't take shots at people like no, no, that? I'm saying public? Kanye's response is is complete and total. Yeah, yeah, no, chasing. I'm, That's I'm all I'm saying. I'm only using Kanye's response to bring up the more general argument of: Is there any there there in the scope of do do uh, institutions like SNL take shots or or use their black guests to take shots at other black people? Now my thing is, is I, that I don't see. Disagree. I could that. see why he would say that about that point. I just don't see any history of that. That is why would, I disagree is, with that. Which would make me that, think like, nah. that's why I disagree with that because I don't see that. And that as goes a back to what I was saying about Issa Rae being an intelligent person. I don't see Issa Rae taking shots at Kanye for no reason. And so I'm sure that when she read the sketch, she saw that the Kanye reference was part of the sketch and the comedy of the sketch. And that's another thing. It's like it's just jokes, bro. It's not it's even that. Ju- it's not for no reason either. <laughs> even is, I mean, I listen. I, 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 I don't know. I'm sympathetic to people who are like, yo, I don't want to. Can I not be part of that game of just like making jokes of people because I'm not mentally well and I don't handle it well. And so I'm, I'm genuine. I'm, I'm generally sympathetic to that. But that also isn't to say that you're not a public figure. And the image of Kanye could. 
could be used as a comedic item. And that's how I feel. I feel like they were using the name of Kanye as a comedic item that is relevant to pop culture, not as an attack on Kanye as a human being. It's a joke. You know what I mean? But I think they were making I, fun I always, of the fact that Kanye ran for president. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's I, all there I just is don't to wanna, it. I just don't want to offhand dis, uh, uh, disregard his comments because I am also sympathetic to the argument of let's not let these institutions use us to to make fun of us. Like that's not that's also something that I that I am relatively sympathetic to that idea. In this case, I do think that Kanye is being overly sensitive because it wasn't out of it wasn't like they weren't. It's not like they took Kanye West's name out of nowhere. They were talking about politics, and Kanye West was the silly enough celebrity to get himself into politics and also be relevant to the sketch. Do you remember That's, the fish dicks? Mm-hmm. Um, thing yeah, from yeah, South, Park. South Park for sure. That shows hilarious. Bill, Bill Hader is the one that came up with that joke, and he tells the story about how he came up with that joke. Mm-hmm. And the way he comes up with that joke is just like, who's a celebrity that's big enough and yeah. lacks a mm-hmm. good enough sense of humor that would fall for this joke? Yeah. I know, you know Kanye. Kanye West. Yeah, yeah, and I and I agree, and I generally am on the side of the comedian. Like, they're just jokes, bro. You know what I mean? It's it, and, and no one's taking them seriously. And moreover. Issa Rae isn't. I don't. I don't feel like she's somebody who who would lend themselves to that kind of of oh, foolery. You know what I mean? Like she's pretty serious about her career. When I say pretty serious, she's extremely serious about her career. She's very influential in what she does, and I don't think she got time to be sitting here taking her time out of her SNL appearance to take shots at Kanye. Yeah, I think that she was just Kanye's taking, response is you know, about as serious as his run for president. Yeah, and and so that's it, it's just sad that that they're going to drag or and I shouldn't say they are going to drag. I'm pretty sure he's getting no traction with that with that opinion. Like I'm sure that of course there's, you know, his Twitter followers or whatever his his hive, but like in general the normal thinking public doesn't see that as an attack on Kanye. Definitely not. Yeah. I mean, even if they did like like you could, you could, it's not like the SNL episodes are hidden. If that really was the case, you could always it's very easy to find examples of that. Yeah. And moving on from that, Issa Rae killed it. She did. She did really well for, for a reasonable percentage. Because I generally will very rarely say I loved this whole episode of SNL. I don't know, man. I, SNL. I think they they hit more frequently than most other people, but their batting average is still very low. <laughs> That's you know what I mean? such is the nature of the beast of sketch comedy. Yeah, but um, she did really well, but. Who else was on there? Um, it was just a bunch of guest performances and 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 cameos. But I just did, I I really wanted to 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 bigger up. But when they start doing these 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 cold opens now, where they're pretty much all parodies of of political uh, situations, uh, I don't know. That's not they're they're fun on occasion, but like the frequency in which they're putting them out now and the. The lengths that they're stretching for, they're they they're just doing too much. I think. I think mm, that they. I enjoyed them, especially the the newer one. Really? Yeah, Maya Rudolph is, is the. Well, shit. I love Maya Rudolph, but she wasn't even the mainstay in this one. And and Jim Carrey's Joe Biden is just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really it's good. it's really weird. It's really weird because I mean, I don't know. It, it's got to be hard to do a Joe Biden because Joe Biden is a boring person, and it's like. <laughs> 
You're trying to entertain people by pretending to be someone boring. And that doesn't sound like a recipe for entertainment. But I just, they're, they're going way, way deep on these. Oh, no. I, I, I'm of the differing opinion. I happen to enjoy them. Uh, as a matter of fact, the cold open was the only thing that I saw from this this week's episode, and I I, know, I saw the one from last week, and I enjoyed. I saw yeah, the, I, the Bill Burr one too, and I. And I, I wasn't sure them. what they were doing with the with, with Issa's character in the cold open. The, the, <laughs> the, the the one black Trump supporter sitting behind him just cheered on. I was like, where's she going with this? Clearly, she was looking for a check. <laughs> but yeah, she's the one black Trump supporter being a fucking ridiculous clown behind Trump. Uh, there's not really much more. Look at <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what they look like. Yeah, uh, so... Candace Owens is a wig, I believe, is what she was described. As. Yes, <laughs> but no, I, I don't know. I I guess I watched too much of it IRL no, it, to it... to watch it in the entertainment. It's just a little too close. That could be it. But again, but it's also sketch comedy, you know what I mean? Sketch comedy yeah. is hit or miss by its very nature. Yeah, and um, who's on it next? Um, I, I remember seeing that the, the next batch of, of hosts is looking to be pretty exciting, too, and the musical uh, guests, who is going to be Adele. And I I like Adele. You know, she she got good I prefer Chubby Adele. Chubby, hey, listen. Oh, yeah, for I've sure. Learned, Do your thing. I'm just I stating my opinion I, on I that. I agree with you. I just don't want to comment on her. Like, that's her transformation. She was very proud of it. Oh, yeah, that's just and my so. opinion. You know what I mean? She ain't got to change back for me. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> it don't mean shit. Because she's going to do what she's going to do, which is absolutely what she should. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to see see her performance on SNL on the next one. But, yeah, did you see Michael B. Jordan is uh, set to produce the Static, Static Shock? Shock? Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm excited yeah, for like, that. Hopefully it goes somewhere. Film yeah. it because movie hell is a bitch. So hopefully it actually gets to production. Do you know who who's uh, behind it? Like what what studios behind it? Mm-mm. I haven't heard studio. any other information. But Static most likely it'll be DC. Warner Brothers. It'll be Warner Brothers for sure. It's a DC property. Yeah. Okay. Man, I, well, what well, could be Jordan doing in the, in the DC universe? Um, that's the only studio that will produce Static Shock. So well, yeah, if you no, want to do Static Shock, then just, you'd be oh, stuck there. Oh well, that would. Be, See, I didn't think of that. If if he particularly wanted to do yes. Static Shock and this was his only opportunity to do mm-hmm. it, that would make sense. Only because I'm, I don't remember him having a bad relationship with Marvel, so I figured he would stick to Marvel movies just because it's a good check, and I'm sure that there's no. <laughs> Who says he's out? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that he's out, but yeah, no. Working on both properties. Who else has done that? Yeah. Worked on Marvel well, and DC. A process, lot of people properties. at this point. Fucking James Gunn. He's now oh, doing yeah. that super dope ass um Suicide Squad too. I'm so excited for that. Yep. Fucking Joss Whedon Joss also did the same thing. Director yeah, that did both sides. And he's, not, and he's not giving his visual. Well, I don't know. Maybe he'll be a character, but I know he's he's producing it. I don't know if he's actually acting in it. Who? Uh, Michael B. Jordan in the new Static Shock. Yeah. Ooh, that's it. I mean, smart Which man. I, I, he'll I probably like, try. I, I trust his 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 production chops. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Um, he's but been I don't know. in the game for a minute. I'm interested to see who they're getting to play Static, of course. Um, I'm interested to see what tone they take this movie is he gonna do like a dark dc movie or is he gonna do it like spider-man um homecoming uh where it's like a fun young movie you know what i mean like there's so many places he could go with it i'm really interested because there's you know not for nothing static shock takes place in the hood you know what i <laughs> yeah, mean like does. if you were to do a photorealistic static shock it might not you know what i mean come off as the most bright and, and happy-go-lucky uh uh, production 
But I mean, I'm sure that you be. can make it that way. I'm, you yeah. know what I mean? Through movie magic. Just pick a city and have it just mirror that vibe. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I, I'm sure he'll pick a city based on whatever Actually, tone that they want to set. Yeah, most likely he'd probably cast someone else if they're going for younger. Yeah, he's a little, yeah, I don't think he could be Static Shock. Um, yeah. Maybe he could be like Static Dad or something. Yeah. Wait, nah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Wait, he doesn't static, look old enough to be Static's dad. <laughs> I mean, they could, yo, they could make, put the makeup on him. Make, I mean, make they Michael can. Jordan is Zaddy. No, but, <laughs> but I, I, I think he'd probably be better off in like a supporting role or just staying behind the camera. Yeah, either case. way. Um, the story of Static, though, was he with his, did was he with both of his parents? I do not remember. I thought yeah, it was just like time. his, um... I know he was. Was it like mom. his uncle or some something? Or am I remembering incorrectly? No, nah, I'm gonna have to go back and read and, and, and brush up on my static shock lore because definitely uh, woefully lacking in that department. But I'm definitely looking forward to that production. I think that Michael B. Jordan is gonna kill it. Um, I'm yeah, excited to see who they give the opportunity to to be the lead on this. You know what I mean? Because that's just by nature of static shopping a young person. They're probably gonna choose a young actor, and young actors just by nature have a higher chance of being, you know just this being their first role or just being their breakout role type of thing. So I'm excited to hope uh, for somebody to get a, an opportunity like that. That's why these roles are kind of really, really important for the community is that they, they give young people or early actors a chance to break out. You know what I mean? Like not yeah, everyone, can, you know, the likelihood of, of someone paying like a 45 year old man is the likelihood of them being a seasoned actor there's tons of seasoned actors you can get to play that role there's not a ton of great actors that you can get to play a very young person just by nature of the, the group of actors but yeah so i'm excited to see that that's looking cool um man i w- i was looking at this on youtube recently there's a uh, a bunch of youtubers who uh i guess youtube has changed their their algorithm uh to not pay out ads on bot views ah nice and so but the thing is is that's that that sucks is that oh because they're the ones that determine who um the bots are they yes they're the ones determining who the bots are and it's not like youtube's not getting paid youtube gets paid for those for those ads still that play but they're just not paying out to the youtubers and moreover their algorithm is very new and extremely draconian and so like one of a very popular YouTuber that I like to watch for for mobile gaming content, um, a new game came out, so his views shot up because he's been putting out game uh, reviews and, and facts for the for for a lot of the stuff on it, and so his viewership looks anomalously high, and they straight just demonetized everything that he does now, and it's like a lot of people and and I only bring this up that's that's hitherto I'm sure he'll be fine he has Patreon tons of other. Um, social media outlets that he garners revenue through, but uh, there's a lot of YouTubers who who use YouTube as their main platform, and it's like it's the same problem that you run into with the gig economy, except it, it's the gig economy directly related to the internet. So you, uh, Uber drivers and Lyft drivers are in a subcontractor relationship with the company, and so they lack certain rights. At, that employees would have in the same way the youtube content creator is in a subcontractor relationship with youtube and so they lack certain rights in terms of transparency when something like this happens because he should be able to especially because 
this could be thousands of dollars a day in ad revenue that you're missing out on. He should be able to to immediately contest this. Yeah, contact customer support and be like, hey, what's going on? Can you address this? But he but they have no obligation under their relationship to him to do anything about it. And that's the dangerous part. And while YouTube can be extremely empowering as a source of income, um, it could also put you into a very precarious position as somebody who has no rights as a content creator. And I, I and I, I I just wanted to bring that up because you know this this is the new economy. There's more people making a a, a middle class living off of internet content creation, whether it's podcasting or YouTube or any of the other various uh, influencer related professions that have cropped up. They are the new they are the new rising middle class like if you're looking for social mobility that is where you're going to find it in America these days and we have to be mindful about how these platforms engage with us as well as we should be aware of these things because we need to be demanding of the politicians that we choose whether it's the local or national politicians to have some form of policy or stance on these things to 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 make sure that when these things when Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey are sitting in front of Congress that they're that they are they're not just grilling them but they are they are informing them of the disposition of their constituency so that these these people that have no they aren't beholden to any laws at least can take those things into account. That's the only interface that you'll really have with influencing them because we can't, there's nothing that we say that's going to influence these large platforms, Google's, you know, the YouTube's. They, they own, we need to, to, to be aware of what's going on so that we can hold the people accountable in power to represent us well on, on this behalf. You know, we shouldn't be voting for politicians who don't understand platform content creation and how it affects their constituents. Like, that's a really important thing. Like, I don't give a shit about what you're doing for the miners, honestly. And guess what? The vast majority of this country doesn't give a shit about what you're doing for the miners because there's only maybe fucking 45,000 miners in this country. There are hundreds of thousands of content creators. They are the new middle class. And I'm sorry, miners, and I'm not saying go learn to, to be YouTube content creators, but it's unfair for you to dominate as a constituency political discourse when the vast majority of people being represented don't actually have anything to do with that profession whatsoever you know what i mean like we're gonna part of have... the problem is that the politicians know more about mining than they do about the internet true true and it, and 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 that was that's part of the danger part of that is a result of the the revolving door between corporations and and political office um you will find ex a lot of ex-fossil fuel execs in political office more so than you will find executives from tech or executives from you know any of our other dominant industries you know you don't see automobile execs in congress you know and and so that's a problem there's not a lot of farmers in congress you know if we want the congress to start to to actually represent us they actually 
the, the representation matters, you know, that, that, that whole slogan, it really does matter when it comes to these kind of things, because if not, we're just going to get a lot of repeats of the, of what's been going on. You know, we're going to get industries misregulated, unregulated, completely the wild west, totally exploited and extracted by big business. All the while, the people who are utilizing the, 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 the products of that industry are getting worse products. They're under constant psychological attack. They're, they're, it, it's worsening their mental health. All because the, the, the politicians that are in charge of monitoring that, they're asleep at the wheel. You know, So if we want to make sure that we don't perpetuate what's been going on now, we have to get new people into Congress. And, you know, not for nothing, there's no shortage of, of people running for Congress. There's tons of candidates who, who, who lose to incumbents who have been consistently doing bad jobs. And, 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 and that's on the people. We can only ask but for but so many candidates before the people actually have to start voting for those candidates. And so that's why I go into things like this is so that just to arm you, the listeners, to have things on your mind that you could say, well, what is my candidate saying about this? And this is important, you know, because too many times we want things from our candidates, but we don't know what to ask for them. Like, hey, candidate, make my district better. Make my streets cleaner. But you're not asking for you're not asking for anything in particular. And so in particular, you can ask for your candidates to to have policy and represent more stringent controls on an industry that has been exploiting its subcontractors for a long time. You know, not to say that they don't have lobbyists. I'm sure Google has tons of lobbyists to make sure that YouTube stays unregulated. But the way we fight lobbyists is to put actual representatives that care about things that are important to us in power. But yeah, man, it's been really good for music lately, man. And I gotta say... Benny the Butcher just put out another banging album. This one with Hit Boy. Hit Boy's on a streak. Yeah, um, he is. I really, I, I really, I really feel like it is. I can confidently declare that yo, rap is back. Like rap, rap. Like not just party rap, not just club rap. Like rapping, the act of rapping and rapping with words and similes and metaphors and interesting like structures of, of songs. That shit is back. Like, if you look at all of the of of the most prevalent releases lately, they've all been people who are rapping. You know what I mean? Not to say that they haven't embraced styles, you know, different different beats and 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 tones and different incorporated, you know, some of the newer school uh, uh, forms of, of rap. But they're everyone's rapping. You look at Nas's King Disease. You look at uh, Benny, the, everyone from Griselda, Benny the Butcher, Conway the Machine, West Side Gun. You know, you look at TDE, everything that dropped. Reason from TDE just dropped. I mean, I, like, before, I would have a hard time. Like, last year, I would have had a hard time talking about five albums that dropped that I'm just like, yo, these are rap albums. Like, they're very, very much for the culture. You know, lyrical content, good production. I would have been hard-pressed to grab five rap albums. I'm, I can't, I can't 
have a list of less than 10 rap albums this year that are fire fire like worthy of rotation fire you know what i mean like you got dreamville over here fucking earth gang tearing it up jid tearing it up like you know what i mean i think the days are past where drake is the biggest rapper ever like Drake is a very popular rapper. He has a lot of good songs. He's got a lot of hits. and But I don't think that his stranglehold on the game is so firm anymore. Because there was a time where it's like you couldn't say rap without conjuring an image of this nigga Drake. Like, he was on every feature. His album was always just on the way. It was always He hasn't some been drama. putting out music recently, though, right? I'm sorry? He hasn't been putting out music recently, though, right? I'm No, he's got an album on the way. He's got an album on the way. They just announced that. that right, but prior some... to this one, he hasn't put out anything. I don't listen. I, I, I honestly don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to give you an honest answer, but I'm just I saying, seen anything on I'm social just saying, media. If people are taking over while he's absent, I feel like that even speaks to, I feel like that speaks to more towards him, but carry on. Carry on, carry on. Well, we'll see. We'll see because he is dropping. He is dropping. And if his, and, and, and that's not to say that there isn't more fire dropping come the end of the year. So when he drops, there's still going to be more shit dropping. And so if he just eclipses everything and pushes everyone else's drop out of the way. Yeah. All I'm yeah, saying is it was just industry. a little too early. You know what I mean? But, because if he hasn't been dropping and, and people have been taking advantage of that deficit. That, not even just that. Even if he did, I can, I can still say there's a preponderance of evidence to say that there is still so... It, it's not as, as smothering as it used to be. Like, there was there was a time when everyone was doing the Drake thing. Like, it was just everything sounded like Drake or Lil Wayne, and it was just so monotonous. And then the Migos came in and started to switch up, and then everyone sounded like Migos. Now, it's like there's so many different styles and, uh, and just personalities. You know what I mean? Like, there's... It's just so much more diverse in the rap industry. It feels so much more healthy and vibrant. You know what I mean? Like that whole monoculture of just like doing what's hot isn't isn't as prevalent as today as I think it was even a year ago. And man, does it feel good? Because I love like like every week. Honestly, there's been a new album where I'm like, ooh, let me just listen to this real quick. You know what I mean? Like, and and there's multiple weeks where there's multiple albums, and I just I it's very in heart uh, encouraging for me because uh, because. I, cause I know, especially even when I started this podcast, I was like, yo, rap's in a bad, bad place. I was real despaired about the place where rap was, man. Like, it, it was scary. Like, I couldn't, I I had to listen to niggas from the 90s to hear something that was even, even remotely moving. And so now, with as many cats that are in the game that are in their 20s, early 30s, that are just smashing it, putting out great music. It's just super encouraging. You know what I mean? Like I, I hope the baby's new projects uh, do really well. Like there's just so much out there. Like I'm, I'm really encouraged. But yo, rap is back, man. That shit is, <laughs> nah, man. It was, it was sickly for a second, bro. That shit was dying. It was dying, and I feel like it was. They were trying to kill it. I, I don't think it was dying because. There weren't people trying to live and breathe it. It was dying because I think that there was a concerted effort to control something that couldn't be controlled. And the labels wanted to control rap or let it die. And rap was like, nah, that's not how that's going to go. We're just going we, gonna to move away from that structure. And I, in my opinion, all of the best rap is away from the major labels. 
all of the best rappers away from major labels, hands down. But um, yeah, I just, I wanted to point that out. That was real, real big, real big. Um, in reference to Benny the Butcher's um three peat this nigga put out with him. man, and that was it, it. It's such a strategic like. It was such a strategic strongman move to put out two really good albums and then to bring in Hit Boy for the final album. I was like, okay, this nigga got it. Like, you good, Benny? You brought a Hit Boy on the third one? Okay, then you just wanted to make sure that the first two hit before you brought in the fucking Haymaker because that two-piece with that biscuit is heavy. That shit is, bro. That Benny the Butcher uh, um, album, very hard. Um, What was it? What's the Burden of Proof? Burden of Proof. Jeff, definitely check out that Benny the Butcher Burden of Proof. That shit is super hard. But yeah, moving on from that, we'll wrap up with this little little ditty I saw in in in, in the news where uh, Chicago PD has uh, reviewed its civilian re- review board's uh, list of 105 changes and has affirmatively agreed to make five changes to their overall uh, code of conduct. <laughs> In reference to it, and, and 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 I always I try my best every episode so that people who listen to me over a long period of time will will eventually build up a preponderance of evidence of why the fuck there is no reforming the police department. And nobody is saying that we don't need public safety enforcers. We need that, but yo, these police are not here for us. They don't listen to us. They they have a weird. Uh, uh, guardianship authority role where they they think that they know what's best for us. They think that they can they can dictate to us the best way to deal with our communities, and it's just not true. They're not from our communities. They're typically not from the communities that they're policing. And so, and 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 not to say that there aren't any departments that try to to stray away from the norm. What I'm saying is, is that the vast majority of them are more than happy to stick to the typical over-policing model of, of, of just brutalizing the public that has been rife in America, you know, for the past hundred years. And there's no reforming that. There is no reforming that. And unfortunately, they have consolidated into a nationwide fraternity. So if they're going to make it so that every time we knock down one uh, one of these police uh, precincts and we get them to change something, the rest of the national edifice just kind of pushes it off. The police union says, nah, you don't got to do none of that. You know what I mean? Like every time we manage to interface with one of these police departments and then the, 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 the fraternal order of police just ignores all of the concessions that are needed to be made to the community it just it's just another another nail in the coffin of that institution because you can't they can't this country is at a hard stop you cannot have a country that is supposed to be a high level functioning country that is as over policed as this country and i say that because of the massive amount of inefficiency and waste that doing this causes. If most major cities on average spend 50 fucking percent of their budget just on brutalizing their citizens, you have to understand there is no way that that city will ever, ever be able to be a thriving, flourishing place. It'll always just be holding on from fiscal year to fiscal year, exploiting its citizens to pay its police. It's an, it's an absurdity. It's unnecessary. 
we 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 know enough about sociology and we have the statistics and we know enough about uh, how to to adequately deal with human beings to 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 create a better institution than national policing. And it's just a hard facts. And and just remember, 50 cents of every dollar you pay in taxes to your city is getting used to beat the shit out of black people. And I don't think if you understand economics, you can't do a whole lot with that kind of sandbag on you. If your if your municipal power has that kind of sandbag on it, they ain't doing shit to help your city. They ain't doing shit to clean your streets. They ain't shit doing shit to to make sure the infrastructure is better. It's all a facade. If they're willing to waste that much of their money just to appease an institution that is outdated and corrupt as fuck. So just think about that. Always uh, feel free to follow us on the social medias. You can find us on Instagram uh, at Heron's Home Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at Karee underscore T and at Home Heron. Catch me on Instagram at Rico underscore G sound. And always remember, time is only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thanks for joining us, guys. Have a great one. Peace. Take it easy.